name David Oakes and welcome to this special season of Trees A Crowd. This season I am talking about trees. That's it, just me and trees. Please don't turn off. Right, this week I am in Glastonbury and it is windy and it is rainy and I'm running up that hill and before any of you smart asses say that it's not called a hill, it's called a tour, I'm not up that one. I'm up Glastonbury's other hill, tour two, tour the second. Yes, this week I've headed up to the top of Wareal Hill to the site of the world's third most important bush after the burning one and Kate. So, here to sing today's jingle whilst I find somewhere more sheltered to record the rest of this episode. A massive surprise for you all. It's only Kate Bloody Bush. Only joking, we can do far better than that. It is Bella Hardy. Uprooting the secrets and stories beneath the 56-ish native trees of the British Isles. So today we're taking a look at two closely related trees. Trees 24 and 25, the common hawthorn, Crotagus monogena, and the midland thorn, Crotagus labigata, collectively known as... The Hawthorns. So the legend goes a little like this. Upon returning to Britain in possession of the Holy Grail, Joseph of Arimathea thrust his hawthorn wood staff into the ground right where I was just standing on a site about a kilometre outside of Glastonbury. From that staff a hawthorn tree took root, but this was no normal hawthorn, oh no. This hawthorn brought forth flowers not once like normal hawthorn trees, but twice a year. It flowered first to mark the point at which spring turns into summer, Easter time, and then once again at Christmas. A double miracle, God be praised, a tree that flowered to celebrate both the birth and the death of Jesus Christ. Now where's the truth in all of this? Is there a common hawthorn tree that flowers twice a year? Yes, yes, there is. It is essentially a genetic anomaly, a cultivar now known as the Holy Thorn, or Crotagus monogena biflora. A modern tradition even has it that a branch from a flowering holy thorn bush in Glastonbury is cut and sent each Christmas to the reigning monarch, Lucky Lizzie. Question two, is this the bush? Is it Joseph of Arimathea's magic staff bush? Is Dan Brown going to write a book about it? Well, no, not really, and here's why. What we know for sure is that by the 1530s, 1540s, around the same time as the monasteries were dissolved, three common hawthorns grew at this location on Wariel Hill. We also know that these three trees did indeed flower twice a year and were worshipped by pilgrims. Or at least that was the case, until Thomas Cromwell ordered the relics cut down and burned during the Reformation. Typical Cromers. But what we also know is that the people of Glastonbury are a spiritual lot, understatement of the year, and that cuttings were taken from these bushes. Now it is from these cuttings that a holy, twice-flowering hawthorn was planted within the abbey grounds. Until that one died in the 1990s, and up until just over a decade ago, a twice-flowering hawthorn tree also stood right here, where I'm recording this episode, and that was until a vandal, or indeed a contemporary puritanical Cromwell impersonator, took a saw to the tree and cut it down. What is interesting to note is that seeds taken from these twice-flowering trees, planted and nurtured, never succeed in providing a plant that flowers twice yearly, They just grow into a bog-standard, albeit wonderful, for reasons I shall explain imminently, tree. 
so perhaps there is still a little magic bouncing around after all. To keep this holy cultivar alive and flowering twice yearly, cuttings and graftings are used and the tree is recreated vegetatively. As such, there are signs all along the road into Glastow to buy your very own holy thornbush. But this is far from just a modern practice. As far back as 1722, there are records of a nursery where holy thorns could be bought for just a crown apiece. That's about £30 in modern money, which is pretty much about what you'd spend today. Right, the holy thorn aside, how can you tell if you're looking at a normal common hawthorn tree or a midland thorn tree? Well, it's really very simple. The leaves are completely different. Common hawthorn leaves are deeply and sharply lobed, whereas the midland thorn has only three shallow rounded lobes. But a more fun way to tell them apart, a way that makes you look like some kind of wizened wilderness wanderer, or indeed a squirrel, Grab one of the shiny red haws from the tree or bush. These are the firm fruits that lend their names to the tree. Place the haw between your teeth and gnash them apart. Inside you will find a tiny nut, but only one tiny nut in the red common hawthorn haw, whereas there are two tiny nuts in the red midland thorn haw. Repeat after me. Haw, one, midland, two. Haw, one, Midland too. Anyway, you can eat the flesh, it's not particularly tasty, but it won't kill you. Just avoid the nut or nuts inside. They contain amygdalin, which is basically cyanide bonded with sugar, so best left well alone. Now, before man started clearing the native forests of Britain, see last week's episode, common hawthorn was the rarer of our two hawthorn species. Midland thorn was our most successful native hawthorn. Midland thorn flowers in April, about two weeks earlier than common hawthorn. It takes advantage of the less dense early spring forest canopy. Canopy which, as it thickens, will prove a problem for the tardy common hawthorn. It just won't get enough light. As such, midland thorn flourished within our country's ancient woodlands. Indeed, if you find it growing wild, chances are you have found a piece of ancient forest that has yet to succumb to the destructive might of man and his high-speed rail projects. Currently, the UK is one of the least wooded areas of Europe, with only 13% woodland cover compared to around 37% in the rest of Europe, and only a small fraction of this is ancient. We really shouldn't be chopping it down. But whereas the loss of woodland is a problem for Midland, it is, arguably, loosely, a positive boon for the common hawthorn. Deforestation of our isles has provided common hawthorn with plentiful open habitats which it thrives upon. Common hawthorn can be found growing wild pretty much anywhere, scattered across acid heathland and chalk grassland, or pushed out from dense forest and finding refuge on cliff faces or dry riverbanks. But its prevalence today is not simply due to deforestation. It is perhaps the most common tree found in man-made British hedgerows, and has been used by us as such for centuries. On Shore Moor, on Dartmoor, there are Bronze Age hawthorn hedges. There are plentiful examples of Roman hawthorn hedges too, and during the 18th and 19th centuries, around 200,000 miles of hawthorn hedge were planted in parliamentary enclosures. Its name, the hawthorn, literally means hedge thorn, coming from the Old English word for hedge, hagger, and the Old English plant name for our hawthorn was the hagger thorn, the hedge thorn. 
And this is great, as with the blackthorn, the dense, winding and thorny foliage of the hawthorn is not only perfect for cattle hedging, but provides sublime cover for nesting birds, especially our country's largest finch, the hawfinch, which feeds almost solely upon haws, but is unfortunately on the UK's red list. For more on this, listen to my episode on the blackthorn, an episode which will also inform you that the hawthorn was traditionally known as the whitethorn. Right, you may have heard the saying, ne'er cast a clout till may be out. Well, common hawthorn blossom is a gorgeous, delicate white, occasionally pink, and used to emerge at the very start of May. It marks the point at which you can finally cast off your clouts, clothes, and wear shorts and sunglasses. Hawthorn blossom pinpointed the end to spring and the start of summer, although it's been a little off lately due to global warming and indeed the adoption of the Gregorian calendar in 1752. It's for this reason, blossom coming when it does, or when it did, that the hawthorn was traditionally called the May Tree. Now there's a very famous unforgettable line in one of Shakespeare's most famous of sonnets. You're an educated lot and you'll undoubtedly all know it. It goes a little bit like this. Shall I compare thee to a summer's day? Thou art more lovely and more temperate. Rough winds do shake the darling buds of May. A quick aside, that third line is so famous, so unforgettable, that you'd have to be a right idiot to forget it on stage in front of two and a half thousand people, and instead, panicking, say... Shall I compare thee to a summer's day? Thou art more lovely and more temperate. Rough winds do bend the darling buds of May... I reserve my unending love and appreciation for Tom Bateman, who was on stage with me at that moment, and, instead of helping me out, just laughed in my face. Thank you, Tom. No, I wouldn't say you're a complete idiot, David. Tom Bateman, everyone. Now, despite having performed that part of the stage adaptation of Shakespeare in Love some 227 times... I always presumed Shakespeare's shaking-slash-bending May buds to be from any old flowering plant of the month of May. But it was only when researching for this episode that I have been swayed to believe that this is not the case at all. Shakespeare never chooses imagery lightly. He wouldn't pick a whole month of miscellaneous blossom when a metaphor is available. Shakespeare, in my book, very definitely summons the May tree, our common hawthorn. But why? Well... It is a symbol of love and purity, flowering at the sexiest time of the year. Its association with May, the new season of fruits, flowers and furry things, made the hawthorn the perfect totem for love sonnets, and indeed the pagans who saw hawthorn as a symbol of fertility. The purity of the blossom and yet thorns ever present hint at a darker side to love and lust, making the tree a perfect metaphor for human ardour. Fifty Shades of hawthorn. Traditionally, the may tree was used to adorn wreaths which were made for the green man, the fertility figure who now adorns church carvings and is the patron saint of pub signs. Hawthorns too were, and indeed are, used for May Day garlands, whilst solo trees were often used as precursors for the more formalised maypole. It is also the tree at the centre of Beltane celebrations, the Celtic May Day Festival, where blossoming hawthorn bushes were adorned further with ribbons, rushlights and colourful ephemera galore. 
There are tales of competing Beltane festivals where rival communities attempted to violently steal each other's bushes, and even tales of these festivals during the Victorian times having to be outlawed due to fights breaking out. Simpler, happier times when a community took pride in their bush. Confusingly, however, the hawthorn is also considered a truly unlucky plant. Between 1982 and 1984, the British Folklore Society collected unlucky tales and traditions of plants from all corners of the British Isles. Ninety species of plants were covered, but the hawthorn received over double the ill reports of the second-place species. So whatever you do, according to folklore, do not bring hawthorn into the home. It is said to bring forward illness or even death in the house's inhabitants. But as is often the way, this association may well align itself with a certain amount of subconscious sensory correlation, as the blossom of both hawthorns, common and midland, contains trimethylamine, a chemical formed in decaying animal flesh. Hawthorns, at least subconsciously, smell a little like rotting flesh. And if you think that the British are a superstitious lot, well, in Ireland, a solitary hawthorn, or century thorn, is considered a meeting place for fairies. The tree becoming especially powerful around May Day and Midsummer, the time of greatest fairy power. Such trees must only be removed for ritual or for healing purposes. But in 1877, a man in County Meath felled a hawthorn merely to tidy up his farm. In the process, he pricked his hand and later died shortly after of septicemia. Such was the fairy's will. So deep runs the respect for fairies in Ireland that in 1968 a road in Donegal was rerouted at great expense to avoid the felling of one of these century thorns. And if you're thinking, well, that's just bollocks. That happened decades ago. We wouldn't care a jot these days. Well, it happened again in 1999. The upgrading of a national motorway, the M18 that runs from Limerick across to Galway, was postponed and then rerouted because a solitary hawthorn tree stood in the way of a planned bypass skirting Newmarket on Fergus in County Clare. Folklorist, storyteller and beard surrogate Eddie Lenahan warned of a significantly higher mortality rate on this stretch of motorway if this tree was not respected. He said the tree was the trysting point for Kerry fairies as they waged war against their foe, the Connacht fairies. Under the bush, the Kerry fairies would regroup to prepare ongoing battle tactics, and he went on further still to say that their white blood had often been seen on the surrounding grass. And so, now, if you're lucky enough to find yourself driving on the M18, just past Newmarket on Fergus, you will traverse a kink in the motorway and a solitary hawthorn tree which has very elegantly been fenced off for all of our protection. And those were our Hawthorns, both of them. Next week I'm out and about again, not too far from here in fact, Cheddar Gorge to be precise, to talk about our nation's white beams, and for reasons which will become clear, African forest elephants, as you do. But until then, join us on Patreon, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, but most importantly, tell all your friends about us. Thank you for listening. Goodbye for now. Bye. Uploading the secrets and stories beneath the 56-ish native trees of the bridge.